How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the 19th Hole Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You have found Golf Talk Live's 19th Hole Podcast. I am Alan DePew, and folks, we have our panel, albeit small again. I traded two in. I brought two off the bench. It's kind of like live. Similar yet different. Andy Hydorn and Christian Azamis, they're out in Boston, Bob Baldessari, forever now known as Bourbon Bob. We'll get more on that. We got inside scoop. And the teacher of juniors worldwide and amazing sports writer, by the way. Thank Brendan you. Elliott. Gentlemen. It's just like- you know, it's like a hockey ship, you know, over the boards, on the boards, on the ice. It would have been almost like Ogletree, but we still haven't hashtag where's Ogletree found him. We'll keep looking. <laughs> we are still looking. We're looking. Lost Without ball. Me. So, boys, here's the question. We have a lot of little, this, a lot of little stuff to talk about, but let's talk about personal stuff. Because Boston Bob, we've, we've joked about this, but you truly have transformed into Bourbon Bob. Tell our listeners where Bobby is hanging his hat now, because it's amazing in the background. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, we're coming to you live from Versailles. I know it looks like Versailles, uh, but in Kentucky, <laughs> it's called Versailles, outside of Lexington. Uh, my lovely wife, Pam, and I have made the move out to the uh, horse country is Woodford County. So uh, one of the it's horse capital of the world here. A lot of uh, derby winners, obviously, triple crown winners right down the street. Um, I am a long 40 foot Allen uh, makes them all today, but 40 feet away from a horse farm. Uh, we are in bourbon country. Woodford Reserve is right down the street. There's about 12 or 15 distilleries right around here so. If you're looking for some amazing golf, amazing scenery, amazing weather, um, hydration with the bourbon trail and tastings, uh, having some fun with the horses, I can tell you this area of Kentucky around Lexington is magical. It's really amazing. It was uh, back in the days of the Mid-Atlantic PGA. If you look at the map, this is part of the district that we were in. So I spent quite a bit of time uh, with my Mid-Atlantic section here in Kentucky, did some work here with the PGA of America. I've always loved Kentucky, uh, so it's a real treat to be here. Um, doing a lot of things here at the Woodford Club. Uh, the Woodford Club is in Versailles, so more to come on that, more to come on some other uh, uh, initiatives we're doing here, but good to be back with the guys after the move. My back's a little sore, and that's why we need some bourbon, Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, You know what? I really haven't spent a ton of time in, in Kentucky. I actually... Uh, as a kid, I went to the Louisville Bat Factory. I did do that, and uh, I did. Play, I played one golf course, Griffin's Gate, at the at the oh. uh, Marriott at the Marriott Resort. I played that one. I think probably oh. late high school, early college, making a trip west, and teed it up just for no reason. 
That's not too far away. I think your name's still up on the board. <laughs> Keep that on the DL. <laughs> Brendan, everybody out that, that way? Yeah, everything's going good. Weather's beautiful, but we're waiting for the bottom to fall out and be 95 with a heat index of 150. That's coming. And Bobby won't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> uh, no, it's been a little chilly here lately. It's been nice. Yeah, you floor, your Florida blood a little thin after all those years. I'm bringing back in the Boston blood with the uh, – <laughs> like in Scotland, they have the scotch. Kentucky gets chilly, you get the bourbon. You're, 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 you're insul you're, uh, you've got a little antifreeze in there with the bourbon. Um, yeah. I know you will enjoy it. We're going to do uh, – we need to do a podcast from here. This will be the ultimate podcast location. Absolutely. Without a doubt, as soon as you get that fire pit fired up, we, we will be out there. You, you mentioned hot BE, and I'm going to tell you who was hot. Tony Finau. Oh, yeah. Topic number one, Tony Finau and Mexico. It was hot there also. I mean, yeah. like, like hot. And um, I'll tell you what, they put on a hell of a show this year. They 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 really did. I mean, Finau, Finau wins. Okay, uh, Rom, the defending champion, right there, um, faded in day four, which I have an observation. And um, Batea, out of nowhere, is playing on a special exemption because of a high finish. I believe it was at maybe Hilton Head where he got a special exemption. I may be wrong on that. Please don't write in and tell me I was wrong. But um, he played in the final group of the Mexican Open. And I cannot remember the other kid. He was a kid from Mexico. He finished. It was really important going to the final round. He finished uh, right up there, there in the top 20. I think top 10 got him back for next year or something like that. And he was like a tour rookie. So there was a lot of storylines going on. Um, the airport is right next to the golf course because it was pretty So it was pretty cool watching, you know, 767s take off as Tony's, you know, striping, a, <laughs> striping it down like the 16th fairway. But uh um bobby did you catch any of the action because i was just it rained here shocker it rained in the northeast again oh. on a weekend again so i camped out in front of the tv well i did catch some of that um basically there we go i think we had a technical difficulty no no we never lost you, you, you oh. it was a momentary freeze but you're back yeah okay well, yeah, you know, I I, I did get uh, catch a few minutes. It was interesting. I, Tony Finau and Rom they practiced together, and Tony mentioned the iron sharpens iron. He's been practicing with Rom for a couple of years. I think that was a comfort factor for him to last round play with Rom. They played so much golf together. I think that's. I think it's got to play into how he feels. You know, he made a putter adjustment. He didn't change putters. I don't think be, but I think he changed the grip and how he went about the putting. Um, so I think those two factors, he starts making some putts. He's played a lot with Rom, and he's got a comfort feeling of the guy. I'm, I'm struck also by how low he tees the ball up. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't, yeah, I don't recommend that to the amateur golfers. I'm always, I think you can error a, a touch too high, uh, but I was shocked at how low he, put, he puts the ball on the tee. Me thoughts? I, you know, we, we we've been talking a lot about the big three, the modern big three being Rom and Rory and Scheffler. 
But, you know, after Tony notches this this most recent win, you've got to say that he's a big part of the mix. I don't know where he ranks right now in the world rankings, but with the with how hot he was most of the latter half of last year and then, you know, picking up this win here, you got to say almost that there might be a big four. Oh, you see the Billy Casper? That's that. Yes, he could be. <laughs> that's uh, that's going out there a little bit there, B.E. I'm not going to lie. I mean, what, what's a, he? Anybody I'm, know what he's I'm trying, trying to find it real quick. Um, right now, it's Rom, Scheffler, Rory, Cantlay. Right. Um, Xander, Fitzpatrick, Homas, Cameron Smith, Zalatoris, Spieth, and Finau. Hey, Alan, is there a gap between Cantlay and the next person? Um, I'm sure. Well, well yeah, because because <laughs> well, you get you know what I'm going. Rory, Rory, I got you. Rory's in the Rory's in the group ahead of him, <laughs> and he's like got a two hole gap on him right now. Okay. Well, maybe Joey LaCava will speed up Cantley a little bit. Uh, don't give that away yet. We're not ready for oh, that. Oh, one. sorry. We're not ready for that one. But okay, back. So Tony Finau, yes, Tony Finau. When he starts, when he gets hot, I mean, when, you can make this argument about everybody. I mean, Rom went thirty under, right? And in DJ, or excuse me, DJ went thirty under. I think beating Rom that year up in Boston, right? But you could, when Finau gets starts making birdies, holy shit! Yeah, he can just pour them in and teeing it low, Bobby. Yes, but you should have seen he was, he hit this like driving iron. I think it's the three iron, um, two or three times, and this thing didn't get fifteen feet off the deck. I mean, he just he flights it so so low. It's amazing to me. But the usual idea was tee it low when you want to fade it, tee it a little bit high when you want to draw. Yep. Um, and so, I mean, it's, yeah, he's obviously exceptionally uh, talented. Um, but I just thought, you know, he's he's got all the goods and he's in that comfort zone. He's playing well. And then it was a neat story when he, four hours after he wins, he's catting for his kids in a junior event. I mean, yep. that's a great story. Well, all week there, all the week there at the resort, they have a uh, par three course. Every night after he got off the course, he took his son and they went and played the par three course. And his son actually beat him one time. I hear his kid's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, so you, you mentioned something I did not have it written down, but I'll, I'll jump on it, which is this is actually a technical slash swing question based on T at low. I can't remember if it was Rom because they were given they were given Rom a lot of grief, you know, about he's just a fader of the ball, fader of the ball, fader of the ball. Michael Kim took to Twitter. I don't know if you saw this. I'm a I'm a Twitter stalker, as you know, be. And Michael Kim said, "I just had the opportunity to spend five hours getting a firsthand lesson from the world number one." And he goes, "Anybody that doubts that this guy's not." the real deal, you don't know what you're talking about because he can shape it, move it, anything he wants to do. But I'm pretty sure it was Rom they were talking about when he does tee it up, when he wants to hit a draw, he actually sets the club head about uh, six inches further back behind the ball. Uh, I, asked, I asked why. Like the Mo Norman. 
help help me understand that because I'm going to take that to the range and practice it. Bobby, you want to jump in there? No, oh, putting the ball back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, putting, the club, putting the club head about six inches, setting the club head six inches behind the ball to try to promote the draw. Oh, he puts it behind. Oh, okay. I didn't even know about this. I wasn't aware of what he did with that. Yeah, so, but so, he, so so he so he puts the puts here's here's the ball. You know, here's a right regularly you put the face behind yep. it. It's actually set at six inches back. The ball position in the same spot. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. I mean, he probably just uses it to influence coming from the inside a little bit or you know, path. I would um, think I would think that would be the case, but I'm sure you guys remember how Mo Norman used to do that. Um yeah. oh yeah. With his one plane swing. So I mean I, I would think that and this is for a high draw because I didn't see this either. Um, I just think it's well. I mean, John John hits at a fairly high ball anyway. I mean, it just when he's when he's attempting to draw, I believe Immelman was on the, was on the call. He made that comment. He goes, "Oh, he's when he, he's going to try to draw it down, you know, draw it down the right side." Oh, John does this because whenever he's trying to draw the ball, he sets his club head about six inches back further from the ball. I think that would just help in where uh, where the low point would be within the swing. So he'd be swinging a little bit more up on it. And um, I, I don't know. that. And like you said, Bobby, it may, may help him, you know, come a little bit more from the inside to turn it over. Could be. It's just interesting. Finau and Rom, both, you would say, short back swings. But generates so much power. That's AD's dream. <laughs> Final group. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have been vindicated all these years. The yep. all these years. Hydor's been mocking me for my 69 degree shoulder turn. But no. Tony Finau wow. and John Rom are my legends. Alan, it's a myth you need to get it to parallel at the top of your backswing. You've proven it. Finau proves it. I can't get perpendicular to the ground. <laughs> you might, Yeah, you might have had a full backswing between those two guys in the final group. I'll tell you what, they do take a freaking rip at it. And then, okay, now I'm just going to keep talking about this. The Mexican, I, I really had a good, I had a great time. They put on a great show. It was a four-horse race, right? I, and I stood in the golf shop watching the rainfall. Got to throw that in the golf. And I said, watch this guy. He's got the best chance, Brendan Wu. He's playing in the group ahead. No pressure. Not playing with the world number one. Not playing with the leader. Not playing with Batea, which we'll get to in a second. And I think he would, I think he finished two off the lead, three off the lead in the end. I, I know he was he was definitely 20 under at one point. So I think Tony finished at 24. But you had four guys that were just striping it. John, I was going to tell you my, my opinion. He, his putter just left him. I mean, he shoots 61 and he misses he misses uh makeable putts down on 16, 15, 16, and 18, I think it was. He I noticed that he started missing every when he was missing, he was missing everything left. When he was on his putt, and, and world's smallest putter, by the way, his putter head is like insanely small. But I want to talk about Betea, six foot one, 
130 pounds. So clearly he's just a physical specimen of a man. And how does he generate that much club head speed? Because I think he had Rom swing and Finau swing in his swing. He takes it back a long ways. And now turn 17, as Perot was a 17 or 17-year-old. And at 21, he's got four worldwide victories, special exemption on the tour. Bobby, I will shut up now and say, what say you? <laughs> I remember when he when he won the, I don't remember what year, but the PGA Junior Championship and did it in style. Like he had a big, big lead. So you'd think, well, he's going to have a pretty good career. He's got the talent to make it on tour. As far as the, the swing, I mean, another example, you go back to Bob Toski, more than Paul Runyon. He didn't hit it that far, but Bob Toski, a lot of uh, Hogan. I mean, lo long history of players that were wiry, thin, wiry, but can hit it out there far. Um, hope this is taken in the – I can couch this the right way, but I went, I went most of my life and nobody ever hit it past me, you know, 150 or 50 pounds or whatever. But I always thought um, I just moved quickly. I had a strong lag. I could – hold that angle coming into impact pretty long. Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe, yeah, if you're six, five and you're 200 something that can help. But um, I think if you technically are strong, um, hold that angle, just have this really fast twitch. Gary player talks about it. Uh, fast twitch is quickness that you can move it out there a long, long way. Golf is different like that. And the history goes back. For a lot of players that weren't bulked up, but yeah, you get your Nicholas's, you get your, well, even Tiger when he was younger, wiry, you know. B. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely many ways to get it done on the golf course. Um, and we've seen experiments with players, you know, trying to bulk up and, and use that as the source of the power that they can generate. And then you get guys little guys like Charles Howell the third or Justin Thomas isn't very big. Right. Um, and, and these guys are using, as Bobby said, using the ability to cre create and generate a lot of speed through their rotation and through using the ground. And um, so there's, there's a, definitely a lot of ways to skin a cat. And I, I, I don't know what the right thing is, but as we're starting to see some of these guys that did go that route of bulking up, they're going the opposite way now. And they're, and they're trying to shed pounds and shed muscle um, because I think long-term that theory of creating power and distance can ultimately do damage to you. I mean, look at, look at the injuries that we're seeing on some of these guys uh, that, that went that route of balking up. So um, there's definitely, it's been proven you can do either way, um, but there's definitely an advantage, I think, to the guys like a Batea that can, can generate the speed in, in that way. I think you got to also mention, like we're talking tour players, uh, good, yeah. you know, regulation, you know, tournament players versus the strictly long drive, yeah. which in the specialty. So, uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, there's different ways to get the ball up there and generate power the way you swing. Uh, but the, yeah, the, the, you know, I think of, I guess, I don't know, hockey or baseball or some other sports, the, the bulky big guy equates to hitting the big homer. But every now and then there's a, uh, like a Mookie Betts when he was with the Red Sox. Still should be with the Red Sox. Can we talk about that for a minute? 
um, <laughs> but generate some power and get it out there. So it's a fascinating topic. On the, you know, on the flip side, though, I had a couple lessons tonight and something I found fa fascinating with, with teens is they all want to hit the ball long. And their idea of how to go about that is is wrong, generally, for the most part. And you can look at a kid and say he looks fit. He looks he looks like he can generate that speed. But the flexibility part, you can be you can look fit all day long but have super tight hips. And that's something I'm seeing with a lot of kids. It's just the mobility is not there. They, so, sit there. they sit there playing video games all the day. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're sitting in the classroom all day or their backpacks are 150 pounds lugging that around. You, you get the Wills Alatoris, you know, kind of thing where, yeah. you know, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know the history of his back issues, um, but you've got to think with the, the, with the way that he's got kind of that little reverse C thing going and, and the, the pressure that he's putting on his lower back, you got to think the way he swings, you, you may even put it, put the onus on maybe he's not as flexible as, as you need to be, to be able to, to move through the ball at the speed uh, to put, put, get the distance that people want to. Agreed. I mean, Bobby, we, we've mentioned his name before and, you know, my former head golf professional, I worked for him early in my career, Mike Wynn, before he passed. I mean, sitting in the golf shop just chatting with him back in the day, guy that played the tour, same about stature as yourself. He could flat out move it. And all he used to talk about was balance and timing. Has that changed from the old swing to the modern swing, ground force, all this other upswing upward? What, what do you, What's your thoughts? No, I think balance timing. I mean, some of the things are going to be there from old Tom Norris or told Tom, <laughs> old Tom Norris. <laughs> how, much, how much bourbon have you had? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just good balance, you know, balance. The, the thing I work with, you know, the kids, and I've heard this all my life, and even Jack Rout with Jack Nicholas was swing as fast as you can in balance. And then find that fine edge, and so yeah, balance. Uh, and if you as a if you haven't played for a while and you go out to play, take the first six holes, make that your own little warm up area. Work on balance. Work use an extra club. Um, a lot of balance is is inherent with golf. I mean, you can't you know B and I will we'll see a lot of kids are trying to hit it so hard they're falling over. I mean, it's a, a diminishing return there as far as losing balance, losing technique. So, you know, like in a lot of sports, go as fast as you can within control, within balance. The timing issue, I think the more you play, you get it. Um, shoot, I'll take myself, for example. I haven't, with the move and a lot of stuff going on, I haven't played for a few months. So I go, I'm going to play tomorrow. My timing's going to be off. The field's going to be off. The balance will be an issue. Um, so that, that all plays together with the, if you will, untechnical aspect of the golf swing. But, but B, was is it all about the footwork? Um, yeah, it does have a lot to do with it. And because I, I think, and before I, I, let me interrupt, I believe it's the greatest failure actually. A lot of golfers, amateur golfers, is they don't understand the importance of balance and footwork. Well, I think what they don't understand is the idea of weight shift versus pressure shift. There's a lot of misconception there. 
Like your weight is is your center, like your mass and how that moves. But but the pressure shift is how you're moving within your within your feet and how you're shifting the pressure into the lead side. One of the things I found fascinating through through sports box using that a lot is what we see with the tour professionals is before their hands even get to the top of the backswing, they're already starting to shift that pressure into that lead side. Um, and amateurs just flat out don't do that. And the other thing that I find fascinating is because footwork's off, because sequencing's off, because the idea of what you have to do in order to get the ball airborne, a lot of amateurs want to help it and they and they kind of stay back on it. Um but Sportsbox shows us that the tour pros hips at impact are, you know, somewhere in the 32, 35 degrees of open. And most amateurs are somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 to 12 degrees. Right. So it, it's, it's how we're shifting our pressure. It's how we're um, the sequencing from the top down hips lead followed by the chest and then the hands and then the club face. Um, it's just a lot of misunderstanding by golfers. I try to make my students become students of the game in the sense that they understand the things that we teach them as instructors. They need to not follow our directions. They need to learn the stuff just like we as instructors learn that stuff. And then they're armed with everything that they need to fix it on the fly when we're not around. That's vital. And and there you go. I was just about to chime in. So then on number 12, when it goes away, how do they put their game back and manufacture something to get it to the house? Now, you also mentioned about hip rotation and, and what have you. And I'm still scarred from Andy Hydorn, you know, <laughs> avatar. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I'm going to I'm, I'm going to get over that, maybe. And I'm going to ask you a question, because, again, when you're sitting in the golf shop and it's raining, have I said that enough, guys? <laughs> um, Martin Hall comes on the other day, right? His golf channel. To your point, one of the things he was talking about, and I want to—I just want to explore this. He actually is talking about the weight being up on the ball, of the foot, of the forward foot, and more back towards the heel on the on the on the on the trailing foot. I guess to largely promote this inside path, or. What would be the logic behind that? Because I got it. I'm not gonna lie. I went out and tried it. I striped it. Then maybe I freed up my mind. As uh, who who was that, Bobby? That talked about freeing up our mind and Steve Yellen. Steve Yellen. Yes, Steve. You got your fluid motion factor. I did have my. Fluid. There you go. Yes. You know that. Well, that's a good point about the footwork. It might have been Tommy Armour that said, "To have a great golf swing, you need great footwork." And if you looked at the players for generations and generations, <clears throat> it was like a ballet move with the feet. And that's for the longest time, the left heel came off the back, or came off the ground in the backswing. And it was a rhythmic ballet motion. And then it was the X factor, keep the left heel down, maximize that difference between the shoulder and the hip rotation. And now you've got the Shef <clears throat> Scotty Scheffler, You've got even I mean, Norman, <clears throat> excuse me, used to have that sliding right foot. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of crazy footwork going on now. Guys are swinging, they're on their toes at impacts. How, um, how about Bubba? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting that, uh, yeah, I mean, I this quote has been in my head for my whole life that a great golf swing starts with great footwork. 
yet nowadays. I'm not so sure. <clears throat> well, I really think we had that era in golf where there was a lot of individuals, a lot of swings that were individual. And then it became like with the Adam Scotts and Tiger in his prime, it became more of a robotic, systematic type thing. And now I feel like we're kind of transitioning back into where a lot of this individuality is coming back. And 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 there's different ways to skin a cat, like I said earlier. And Bubba was kind of the originators of this kind of new movement towards swinging your swing, as Arnie used to say, and and. Um, Scotty's one of the ones that we're seeing that a lot with focusing in on his footwork. And, um, it's, to me, it's really about, it's about a couple of things. It's about being able to get into a good impact position with a lot of balance, a lot of speed, um, and, and maximizing whatever it is that your body can produce and then repeating it. That's, that's where, that's the secret sauce I feel. So I'm going to chime in and say, I actually think it started pre-Adam Scott and pre-Tiger. Because I think when you think robotic, I don't think there's anybody that's been more robotic or started that trend than DL3. Yeah. I think he was the king of robotic. I mean, right down to the fact he didn't even smile when he when he got up from the, from the moment he stepped on foot of the property. He didn't crack a smile. But... I agree. Maybe. Go ahead, Bob. Well, it might even gone back to Hogan. <laughs> oh, there, yeah, it's true. <clears throat> you know, but yeah, it's a fascinating discussion point because you know, uh, every every single shot in golf is different. Every single shot. You've never, we've never hit the same shot ever the same way. I'm talking on the golf course, not flat, nice little driving range swing in the club. Um, the golf course has contour. They're, everything's different. So it's hard to think about being robotic. It's hard when people come in and talk to Brendan and I about, I want to be more consistent. Well, it's an inconsistent game. Um, you're just trying to always adapt, always adapt, always adapt. And I love how Brendan put it that, yeah, you you know, growing up with my dad as a PGA pro, I had the luxury of learning that, hey, on the 13th hole, I've been struggling. How, how can I figure this out? And uh, self-correct. How can you rescue around that that phrase like that? Um, so trying to be robotic with this game that's 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 a tough thing. Yeah. So let's uh, back up to move forward. Batea, another one that's a unique golf swing. I mean, he he almost it almost seems like he moves it a la a la Bubba. Maybe it's because I'm just attaching being a left-hander to left-hander to him. But um, he, I mean, he he's hit some sweeping cut shots and draws and what have you. Um, but I guess when you're 130 pounds, you can work the club around your body to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know who else can work the club now? Transition. Bryson. Yeah. Let's talk about that transformation. And it's interesting. I, he was so. Well, you guys know, I it almost seems like he was so hell-bent, he does this. Like, he'll get on his little trip and, and feel like he's figured out the the magic on how to conquer this game. And he feels like he's right. So for him to flip the switch 
and go from trying to bulk up and thinking that's the that's the recipe, um, which it worked. He played fantastic golf. He won major championship. He, he almost won a long drive competition, which is that doesn't happen where you switch over like that between the things. But now I don't even know. I just saw that picture and maybe you guys know better. He looks like he's 50 pounds, 50 pounds lighter. Oh, easily. easily. He looks like he's got he looks like his waist is down to like a 32. Yeah. That diet he was on, I mean, he was headed for an early grave. I mean, yeah. That, that would that's just not a healthy way. I mean, it was extreme to put on the ball to try to hit the ball far, but his body broke down. I mean, his body was speaking to him and he had to change. And um, you know, Phil Mickelson, all of a sudden now he's he's on that one diet, so he's lost a lot of weight. So um coffee with herbs. Yeah. Yeah. It a gets in a, a daily at the LIV events. Right. It's on right. the beverage. Well, there's a dude that came into the pub today. He's like, Yeah, I'm fasting. Give me coffee. I'm sitting there going, Do you want herbs? Special blend <laughs> of herbs with that. <laughs> but I mean, Bobby, you had you had reached out because uh right after the show you were you were traveling. We now know why, because you became bourbon bob. We got into this whole long conversation that I posed two weeks. I, I tried to get in the Masters show, but we posed it, and BE jumped on it, and he gave a great explanation. Is it power or is it elasticity? And you obviously weren't here to, to chime in. I'd be interested in hearing what proves to be longevity in your in your game. Uh, to, well, I'll go back. You know, I'm sort of that historian thing, but if you. you you know, you wear a lot of hat. you wear a lot of hats like a PGA golf professional. I do, uh, but you know, again, I these these quotes go through my head that my dad has said that PGA pros first said it for decades. And um, if you have a long swing and you get older, it's a better thing than having a short swing as you get older. It gets shorter and shorter and shorter. If you have elasticity, you're gonna last. To me, you're gonna last longer. You have suppleness. You can swing the club hopefully up to parallel i mean you know this is sobering to say i'm 60 years old i still swing it to parallel i still may be a smidgen past parallel i see a lot of fellow pga pros that even when we hit our 40s i used to comment to my wife hey so-and-so he is short of parallel that ex made me explain technically what was going on there but um it, it just i i have a lot of natural flexibility i guess so um, I can still swing the club up there really high, still this big full follow through. But there's a lot of fellow PGA pros or good amateur players, or a lot of people I know that their swing is really reduced. They don't hit it as far. They definitely are bigger physically than me. Uh, but I'll take elasticity, suppleness any day. Yep. Brandon, want to echo, echo or elaborate further? I know you were, you picked up that one and just ran with it the last time. Because well, you're, all, the, you're teaching all the time. There's there's no question that, that that's the most important thing. Now, if you could have both, obviously, that would be the the best. But it's definitely um the elasticity. And I think I think when we talked about this before, I had mentioned that a lot of the golfers when I was at Winter Park Golf Course, I think golfers that are able to continue to play it's like the chicken or the egg type thing 
they stay more fit as they age. So I don't know if it's because they had, you know, good range of motion as they got older and continued to play golf, or if the golf was the reason why they stayed healthy and fit. Um, but I was in awe of some of the 80 year olds back when I worked at, at winter park that were able to still make great turns back and through and, and hit the ball, maybe not at the same speed that they had before, but definitely be able to move it out there. How much does diet have to play in that guys? That's I mean, a great question because I've seen it both ways and it's been bizarre and crazy with the guy that has the cheeseburgers and hot dogs and, but stays pretty fairly the, the famous, fit. the famous John Daly quip where you can't, you can't pull a, can't pull fat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, talk to my lovely wife and uh, certainly I, I think if you're going to choose, you want to be on the healthy side it, at the very least hydration. Um, you can lose up to 14, 50%, 14 to 15% of your mobility and basically hitting it a distance. Um, and then during a uh, round of golf, you're not hydrated. So your seven iron at 150, I shouldn't even say that because a lot of people think they should hit their seven iron 150. But whatever club you hit at 150 on the first hole, if you're not hydrating by the 16th, 17th, 18th, 14th, whatever the hole is in the back nine, that club will only maybe go 140, 142 yards. Now, instead of hitting on the green, you hit in the bunker, you make a bogey or a double. Now you're like, ah, I stink. Well, just drink more water. Brendan, but you're seeing, you're even seeing the, the, we'll say the aspiring, the true aspiring golfers that are coming to you. They're, they're, there's, well, they're facing a couple of things. They're, they're the whole hips thing, but the, but, and maybe their mobility, but the ones that are really dedicated and passionate about it, are they, are they working on their diets at, as teenagers? They, they see golf. And I had this discussion with one of my students tonight. He used to play soccer and he, he was highly competitive soccer player. And he, he quit when he was at his, you know, the height of his soccer career when he was 13 to play golf full time. Um, and, we were talking tonight about soccer might be one of those sports that truly uh, epitomizes being fit and being able to run up and down the field and and have endurance and and be a fit athlete. And he said, you know, oh, there's horses. Hi, Bobby. I see the horses. <laughs> and uh, golfers need to think of themselves as athletes in order to really maximize their potential they have to see themselves as an athlete and do all the things an athlete would do which includes hydration which includes watching what they eat which includes you know, stretching and in and, and doing a warm-up before you go out and hit the golf course but you know what it also entails mental reset yes which i find ironic because world number three Rory McIlroy needed a mental reset after his disappointing performance at Augusta National, and that's why he pulled out of the Heritage at Hilton Head. But he's back this week, and I find it ironic because Rory's the guy that you're talking about perfect lies earlier, Bobby. But Rory's the guy that doesn't spend a lot of time on the range. He practices on the golf course because he prefers to have non-perfect situations. 
Yeah, I love that. But mental reset? Well, to each his own, I guess. He was <laughs> – I think he put so much pressure on himself for Augusta, and that's a self – self-involved, self-inflicting craziness, I suppose. But, um, yeah, to touch real quick, you know, to go on. To me, you go on the range, you practice golf swing. You go on the golf course, you play the game. And there's yeah. two separate things. And people that come in all, all the time ago, and Brendan and I see this all the time, hey, I can't take my game from the range to the golf course. Well, that's two different venues. It's two different mindsets. It's swinging the club working on technique to go play the game. And to me, it's it's a Tom Kite, Ben Crenshaw. That was a classic thing. Kite loved to spend time on the range. Crenshaw loved to be on the golf course. You got to find your comfort zone. But I do way more teaching, coaching on the golf course. That's where, I mean, that's where, that's where I think it's important. Some people, hey, at least you get a club in their hands and they're swinging the club, which is good. But um, I think more people would, if they get on the golf course, they could, do the right thing to help their game. B, I was I was a li I I love Rory. I'm a huge Rory fan, but you know when you're in the spotlight, spotlight like he is, I was a little disappointed that he pulled out and went silent right after the you know that next week at Hilton it uh Hilton Hilton no Harbor Town where was it the week Harbor after Town. the match yep. Harbor Town, um, it was disappointing because he went. He went go. He ghosted everybody. Went silent, and it's, while it's understandable, um, you would think is being one of the premier players in the world that he could be able to have a better mindset, a better outlook. And until he can, until he can conquer these demons, that that green jacket is going to be quite the challenge for him going forward. And you know, I, I everybody wishes. And hopes that this will that will happen soon for him, um, the Grand Slam. But he just keeps proving that it's just that's the monkey on his back, and and he's going to have to figure it out soon. I I agree. Uh, I mean, he he got a lot of heat in social media from his fellow players, and it cost him a nice payday because he oh, got yeah. fined for got fined for missing the elevated event. Um, you know who else lost a lot of money? And this is going to, we're going to do this real quick here. We're going to chime in with the Live Report, Taylor Gooch, second win in a row. Angry. Angry. Half of his money taken from him. Ouch. Did, did not know the tax laws from what I've heard from Australia. So um, maybe you should investigate that or have your CPA be working on that. Mm-hmm. So, wow. and that concludes our liver report. Thank you very much. But <laughs> now, BE, the topic at hand. Tiger Dunn. Uh, Joe LaCava seeks out permission. It didn't work very well for Steve Williams in the past. Seeks out permission while Tiger is on the mend to caddy for Patrick Cantlay. And this week in particular, but maybe even going forward until we and it, the public is Joe and Tiger have a phenomenal relationship, utmost respect for each of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is one, two questions to both of you. Is Tiger done? 
Is this the first sign of it? And two, is it different because it comes from Joe LaCavo, Hall of Famer, older guy, than it did Stevie, who was out there making a name for himself when Tiger was at the peak of his career? I, you know, I was blown away by seeing that today. Um, and, you know, he's been on the bag for Cantley before. I think he did it once in 20, in 2021, LaCava caddy for him. And, and Joey, when Tiger was out that whole year, he caddied for Freddie actually two or three times on the champions tour. Um, this, I'm going to walk back what I said a week or two ago um, about Tiger not being done and that maybe this, this surgery that he just had when, when everything heals up might be the answer to him being able to continue to play. I don't know about that anymore. Um, you know, now that, now that he's given permission for, for Joey to get on the bag and this doesn't seem like a one-off is I think Todd Lewis was the one that reported that this is not a one-off. This is for the foreseeable future. So I think, you know, there's been a lot of tour players in the past that they get to that point. I mean, Freddie Couples did it with uh, um, Joe LaCava where he just feels like, hey, I'm not going to play as much. I might not win as much. So go ahead and try to help yourself and make as much money as you can. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that it's uh... – I think that the, the, I think he's got to have some kind of agreement with Tiger. Maybe he's on the bag in the majors. Yep. Maybe he's not. Maybe Charlie's on the bag. <laughs> Who knows? Could be. Well, realistically, Tiger, Tiger's playing five tournaments if he plays any and moving forward. Yeah, and in you know Lacava's son Joe Junior. He's he's on the bag for uh, God. I can't remember who it is on on the uh, uh, one of the other tours, but you know if Tiger wants Joey to to come back in for the majors or the Genesis or whatever going forward, maybe Joe Junior is going to jump on there for for Cantley for those weeks that that Joe Seniors uh, caddying for Tiger. That's that's an interesting take. It's it's going to be interesting to see that how it how it plays out, and will will Lacava help? Cantlay, I mean, he's world number four. Yeah. He's a pretty strong player. Yeah. But he's got a lot of negativity around him for all the wrong reasons right now. Yeah. Well, LaCava's got 28 wins in his career on the bag. I think he had 12 with Freddie, 11 with Tiger, and five, I think five with DJ. Um, so Pretty good he, resume. He, he's an asset for whoever he's carrying the bag for, for sure. Absolutely. Without question. All right. 18th hole. Final green. Uh, thoughts? Let's start with uh, Brendan. Um, you know, since my kids occasionally listen to this uh, podcast, I'm going to give a shout out to my daughter who I could not be any major, more thrilled for. Major kudos. You should be proud, Dad. She... She... His since a little five six years old has been dance has been her thing, um, and she just puts her head down, works hard, um, 
doesn't complain when she's putting in a lot of hours. And this last year, she's put a lot of miles on traveling all over the country doing dance. And um, she got accepted in, into Juilliard and she'll be heading to New York City uh, this August to pursue uh, becoming a professional dancer and going through that program. We were just absolutely so proud of her. So I want to give a shout out to her. Well deserved. Here, here. Bobby? Yeah, that's awesome, Brendan. Um, my wife, Pam, studied dance and was a dancer for 20-something years. And when I showed her your daughter's, um, what she's done, her, her dance recital is different than that. She looked and went, oh, my God, she is crazy talented. So that's awesome. Um, congratulations. Uh, I guess uh, for me, making the move to Kentucky, um, some of the photos you guys have been seeing behind the scenes, I'm right next to a horse farm. They're delivering a bunch of horses. There's a lot of horses in the farm 50 feet away. So um, it's interesting to watch those horses in action. Um, so the Kentucky Derby is coming up this Saturday. If you're uh, into betting, um, there's, you know, as we're getting going here in Kentucky, we're, we're, you'll hear more about the Zonpin International it's a way to help golf courses track where the players are, pace of play. But one of the neat things is the Verify aspect. So Verify has radio frequency ID tags. One of the horses running in this Saturday Kentucky Derby is Verifying. So guess who mm. I'm going to be betting on? <laughs> nice. There's the tie-in. I like that. Very Same nice. Yeah. My question is, Bobby with much respect does this mean we're putting you out to pasture <laughs> i hope not no 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 <laughs> no chance all right all right so i'm going to take it a little, a little my old stomping grounds if you think you could qualify and get through the local stage folks out there of the usga open qualifier you need only shoot 74 in Des Moines, Iowa, on May 1st. That's it. It got in. Oh, did oh. I fail to mention there was 40-mile-an-hour winds that day, and they couldn't keep balls on the green, and it was a horrific conditions. I went to college in Iowa. I played in the winds in Iowa. I played in the rain in Iowa, and it's cold in Iowa. God bless them. 74 is a hell of a score for an open qualifier. So oh. that's all I got. It's a good one. Keep it low Bobby, in the wind. Without, without, without Christian here, so um, tomorrow, hit it long and straight. Because it beats crooked, short, and in the water. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 
554-8519.